Please be seated. We've been looking at the dynamics of the Christian life uh, from the Bible in our sermon series, and we've, in recent weeks, we've been studying uh, seven truths that are helpful and profitable for every Christian as they journey uh, to heaven by God's uh, grace. And of course, these seven truths are the seven excellent things that interpreter showed Christian in his house in John Bunyan's classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. We've already looked at the the first uh, three of these uh, excellent things. We learned that it's incredibly important to wisely discern your spiritual guide, that only The sweet grace of the gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ, can cleanse the heart uh, from uh, sin. And then we also considered the third lesson, dealing with the value of patience, that we are to live today patiently awaiting the best things of God in the world uh, to come. So we'll do something a little interesting today. We're, We're taking... The remaining four excellent things out of order, we'll look at excellent things five, six, and seven, looking at each one briefly, and then I'll conclude with the fourth excellent thing. So hopefully you can keep up with the sermon outline. And I would like for us to begin uh, this this, uh, last message on these uh, seven things, not the last message on the dynamics of the Christian life. As we go to the Lord in prayer, let us pray. God, our Father, we come and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And, oh God, I thank you for your word that is on every page just overflowing with excellent things, truths that really are our life. And I pray today as we reflect upon these seven, just seven, but seven that really are crucial to the Christian life, and in particular as we look at the last four of these seven, that you would open our hearts that we might understand your word, that you give us grace, that we might trust your word as our guide as we make this journey to heaven. So bless us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, excellent thing number five, stout-heartedness to fight. This is a lesson that's incredibly important, that we must be stout-hearted. We must be tough on the journey to heaven. Paul teaches this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 12. So get your Bibles out. We're going to be turning all over the place today in Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 12. Be tough. Listen to Paul's words to young Timothy. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight. Be tough. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, sometimes that battle means we are fighting the enemies of the gospel that are encroaching upon us. John Bunyan was a nonconformist, and Bunyan and his fellow nonconformist pastors fought 
the established church and state because the established church and state were trying to shut them up from preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. They fought the good fight of faith by standing on the word of God and fighting against the authorities to hush them. But also that fight of faith takes place inwardly. And I would suggest to you this might even be the greater battle as we battle inwardly with drifting away from Christ, with dabbling in sin, those enemies from within, complacency, fear, doubt, sin, lust. We're in a fight. And Bunyan depicts this in the fifth lesson as interpreter takes Christian to and he sees this stately palace, and the stately palace really represents the prize of the fight, the prize of the race, and the prize is heaven itself. And if you read in Bunyan's work, it's beautifully done, though somewhat confusing. It's, it is the most puzzling of the seven truths that Bunyan writes about. But what it shows is a stout countenanced man, a valiant Christian, who is fighting those external enemies and even fighting the enemies that are within, slaying them as it were, as he makes his way and he finally gets in to the stately palace. He gets in to heaven. He gained the prize because he fought the good fight of faith. And listen, to Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, where Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. May that be true of each one of us today as we journey to heaven, as we fight the good fight of faith. We're in a battle. Secondly, we need to be cautious of falling away. Excellent thing number six, we must be cautious over the state of our own spiritual condition as we journey to heaven. And the book of Hebrews has one of the most, I think, a difficult passage in many respects because there are various interpretations of this. But in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, we find described one who outwardly professes Christ, a professor of Christ who falls away from the faith and never comes to repentance. Let me read that. So turn to Hebrews 6 and verses 4 through 6. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt." So what Hebrews 6 is describing here is one who outwardly professed Christ and appeared to be saved, but in the end, his outward profession was inconsistent with his inward state. He had not been united to Christ in saving faith, and he fell away. It was impossible for this one to come to repentance. So that's what Hebrews is teaching. Let me tell you what Hebrews is not teaching. Underline, bold, not teaching. It is not teaching 
that a true Christian, one who is truly saved, one who is rightly united to Christ in saving faith, can ever fall away. We believe in the perseverance of the saints. Once saved, always saved. But a truly saved person can drift so far away from Christ that to the human eye it looks like they are falling away from Christ. We may drift from Christ by struggling with unbelief. The most popular, if you want to know the most, the quickest way to drift from Christ, if that's what you want to know this morning, so that you can drift away from Christ and be appear like this guy in Hebrews 6, the quickest way you can do that is to dabble in sin. And in my judgment, no believer in their right mind wants to drift away from Christ. We want to do the exact opposite. We want to firmly grip Christ. But then why do so many of us dabble in sin? I mean, we're playing with fire, right? This sixth lesson finds a man in an iron cage. And he says of himself, one time I was a fair and flourishing professor, that is, one who professed Christ outwardly. But he had so hardened his own heart, he had drifted so far from Christ, he was now in a state where he found it impossible to repent. And this is what interpreter says to Christian, let this man's misery be remembered by thee and be an everlasting caution to thee. God in his infinite wisdom did not inspire the writer of Hebrews to put Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 in the Bible just to cause us difficulty in interpreting it. It is for a reason, and it, it, the reason is that we would be warned and cautioned not to drift from Christ as we journey to the cross. So I understand Bunyan's intention here is to say, well, this, this man in the iron cage really depicts both. It does depict that man in Hebrews chapter 6 that truly does fall away because he is unconverted. He is still in his sin. But it also can depict that Christian who is drifting from Christ and appears to have fallen away. But the good news is that one day that saved person will be restored but the lesson is the same. Be warned of the danger of drifting away. Well, just so you know, for Bunyan, the man in the cage had a name. The name was John Child. And John Child was a very good friend of Bunyan and some other of the nonconformist pastors of his day. And John Child was a pastor. And John Child was unwilling to be a nonconformist because he feared the persecution of the established church and state. And so he conformed to the Church of England and he conformed to the state. And in 1684, mired in sin and unbelief and apostasy, he took his own life. We may know people who appear at one time to be a believer but they just slowly drifted away from the church and from all things spiritual. Maybe you know someone like that. 
we can't determine if there's a Hebrew 6 individual that will die in an unrepentant state and spend eternity in hell, or if they're the other option, the Christian who has simply drifted away from Christ, but in time will come to repentance. We don't know that. But what we do know is that is one of the most dangerous places to be in a state of having drifted away from Christ by dabbling in sin, or unbelief. The man in the cage represents a warning to us all. Take care that we cling to Christ by faith and that we pursue godliness on the journey. All right, the third thing for today, the preparation for judgment, excellent, excellent thing number seven. We must be prepared to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible teaches about the general judgment, right? Here's just a, a passage, one of many passages that speaks about the fact that every day, I mean, every person will stand before Christ in judgment. Matthew, take your turn. Matthew chapter 25, take your Bible's turn. Matthew 25, 31 through 34, and then also verse 41. 25, 31 through 34, Matthew's gospel. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The importance of the seventh lesson in Bunyan's story is to teach the necessity of living each day, taking each step on this journey, being prepared for the impending judgment in that great day that is to come. And so Christian is taken to a room, it's a bedchamber, and he sees this man rising up from the bed. He obviously has had a nightmare, a terrible dream. He's shaking, he's trembling, he's just in a state of panic. And this man depicts one who is not prepared for judgment because his dream was about judgment. He was still in his sin. And we are to be warned to be prepared. Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so the journey to heaven, the lesson, the excellent thing that we are to grasp here. This last in Bunyan's chronology, but our third for today, is that we are to every step we take, every moment we live must be in light of judgment that is to come. That we're prepared by daily repenting of our sin and trusting in Christ. That we are prepared by not only daily repenting of our sin and trusting in Christ, but also seeking His grace that we would walk in obedience to Him. In other words, we're prepared by seeking Christ every minute of every day. 
that we might do the good works that God has prepared for his children to do and that we would be found ready to stand before judgment. And now our fourth for today and also the fourth in Bunyan's chronology, I want to spend a little bit more time here on this last one, the assurance of perseverance, this excellent thing. We must be assured that, that as we journey to the cross and beyond to the heavenly city, every step of the way, we aren't persevering ourselves, but Christ is. Christians will encounter suffering, difficulties, trials, temptations, and failures. It's not a question of will we, but when we. In light of that, how can we go on? It, the li life does seem like we're at the beach, we get hit by a wave, we get knocked down, we stand up, a wave hits us and knocks us down. <laughs> And we stand up, and that cycle goes on and on and on. Suffering is part of the Christian life. And this is why Jesus said in Matthew 10, 38, Take up your cross and follow me. Suffering identifies us as a Christian. Romans 8, 16 through 17 the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. How do we carry on with all this suffering? How do we journey when we know we're going to face the inevitable difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. And Scripture gives us an answer to how do I carry on as I keep getting, seems like I keep getting knocked down with all these problems. And here's the answer. You ready for it? Look behind the wall. Look for the man behind the wall. Interpreter arms Christian with this truth. Sustaining grace. Persevering grace. It's the fourth lesson. It's our last lesson today. Christian is taken to a place in interpreter's house where he sees a, fire a fireplace against the wall. The fireplace is ablaze. Just, just a roaring fire. And there happens to be this man with a bucket that keeps filling his bucket with water and keeps throwing the water on the fire to quench and extinguish the flames of the fire. But the flames are never extinguished. And the man keeps dumping water on the fire and the flames keep roaring. It's kind of hilarious when you think about it. But obviously, the man with the bucket of water that keeps trying to extinguish the flames is Satan, 1 Peter 5, 8. Satan is like a lion who is prowling around to devour the Christian. Satan is there trying to extinguish faith 
And he's just dumping every bucket full of water he, he can possibly get to trip you and trip me up that we would somehow drift away from Christ, turn from Christ, believe untruths. You know Satan's tactics, don't you? Put out faith, put out repentance, put out love for Christ, put out desire for holiness, put out a zeal for God and his kingdom, all of those things. But <laughs> interpreter takes Christian and says, follow me. And they go and they look around. I guess it's a doorway. And so they look around to the other side of the wall where they see another man who is just pouring or squirting oil on the fire. And that's why the fire is not extinguished. It is because of this man. It is because of God the Holy Spirit who is fueling us, who is fueling the fire that has been implanted in us with the oil of sustaining grace, with the oil of the all-sufficient grace of Christ, with the oil that is so much more powerful to fan the flames than the water is to extinguish them. I mean, what a comfort this is. This, this answer to, to the question, how can I keep going on in the Christian life? Look behind the wall. Consider what Scripture says about God the Holy Spirit and the all-sufficient grace of Christ. As we face the inevitable, inevitable difficulties on the journey, Satan cannot extinguish the flame of faith within us because of the sustaining grace that is continually being poured, fueling that flame. Is that not an encouragement to you? It is to me. For without that man behind the wall, our flame would be put out with the first bucket of water from Satan. Do you believe that? I do. I want to look at a passage. Turn in your Bible. It's the 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. So to keep me, this is the Apostle Paul, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the more we understand the man behind the wall and the sustaining grace that is cont continually fueling us, persevering us, the more, like Paul, we will say, I am content with all of these difficulties that I face. Can you say that today? I can't, quite frankly. 
because I don't like the difficulties. But my prayer is that I will come to a place where I'm actually, like Paul, able to say, I'm content with the difficulties I face in the journey. Because the weaker I am, the more dependent I am on Christ, the more powerful I will be. That's what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians. When I am weak, he is strong. And I, I read that and I went, when I am weak, he is strong. There's no when about it. I'm always weak. The problem is I don't realize it all the time. That's my problem. And God is very intentional. And God is very, very fixed on reminding us of our weaknesses that we might realize we are weak but he is strong to drive us to Christ that's why Paul had a thorn in the flesh that's why I have a thorn in the flesh thorns in the flesh that's why you have thorns in your flesh that's why God is intent on this holy pursuit of causing us to realize we're always weak, but he is always strong. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, the man behind the wall continually squirts the oil of Christ's grace on to fuel our fire in our weakness. And this means that in the future, the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ will work such that what Christ began in us will be completed. We will be glorified in heaven. We are promised in Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on that day of Jesus. And so the man behind the wall has a future purpose of fueling our fire with sustaining grace. It's, to, it's that we would come to completion, that we will be glorified. But he also has a purpose today that he is fueling that fire with the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ. We need that grace because of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That sustaining grace today is doing a couple of things. And just a couple of things that come to my mind. It's that sustaining grace that in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of its buckling under this, this thorn that might be in our side, that, that we would remember that, that today that the Holy Spirit is fueling me with the grace of Christ. And then I'm a conqueror in Christ. But it also reminds us that today, no matter how many buckets of water Satan tries to throw on us to extinguish our flame, that this is not going to happen. 
<laughs> you know, our flame may not be all that big at times. At least I don't think it's all that big. But it's still burning. And it will always burn because of this sustaining grace. That nothing can separate us. Nothing can put out the love of God in us in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is the doctrine of perseverance. We're not persevered because of our strength. We're persevered because of Christ's strength. And this is incredibly encouraging for you and me today. That, that, that the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ will sustain us all the way to heaven. And nothing can stop it. And we will cross that river one day and enter that gate into the city because of this sustaining grace. Dear, dear brother and sister, hear what interpreter is saying. Look behind the wall and be assured of the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ fueling your life today. The excellent things that interpreter gives to Christian, discerning your spiritual guide. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse the heart from sin. We need to be patient today for the best thing is coming in the world to come. Assurance of sustaining grace. A warning against drifting away from Christ. Be stout-hearted in the fight and be prepared for judgment. All of these things are given that we might make the journey faithfully. Interpreter concludes his little tour with Christian of the house, and we'll conclude our study of these seven excellent things with interpreter's words when he said, Well, keep all these things in thy mind, that they may be as a goad in thy side, to prick thee forward in the way, Thou must go. The comforter, the interpreter, be always with thee, good Christian, to guide thee in the way that leads to the, the city. The comforter, the interpreter, the Holy Spirit will be with us. Aren't these seven excellent things encouraging and helpful and profitable? For the Christian on the journey. Father, we do ask you to cause us to consider these aspects of your truth. We trust you, O oh God, the Holy Spirit, to use them as you see fit as we journey to heaven. In Christ's name, amen.